So just let me know. If you can do the Monday, if not, it'd be nice to get the show out next week. We'll do it Wednesday. Because I don't have any other shows, right? I have th- that'll be the third show. So, I mean, we can either do Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Okay. That doesn't mean we're locked into that date forever. Okay. And do we And do we have – can we call ourselves tampering with Sam and Joe? <laughs> I want to see. I don't know why I can't make up my damn mind. Did you agree on that? No. no. I mean, you know, let's do the list. I like. I mean, list. I mean, that's a good name. But but let's let's do. You know, we we rip on these teams for not having comprehensive GM searches. Let's have a a little bit of a process. Oh, and I'm fine with keeping this going. Let's have like a, a top five, and then. Yeah. Uh, no, I want this to go forever, Sam. I want it to go forever. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of like the unnamed, <laughs> the unnamed athletic insider podcast. <laughs> the unsiders. <laughs> the unnamed athletic insider podcast. Yeah, it sounds gonna, like a movie production. You know, and then once one day we'll we'll create a T-shirt with all the names. Right. I like it. <laughs> It is Thursday, and I am Dave DeFore. That means you're listening to Nerd She Wrote. Joining me again this week, that's two weeks in a row now, Joe Varden and Sam Amick, both from The Athletic. We're, we're trying to get them started on their own show. We still don't have a name, guys. You're killing me. <laughs> the you're killing me without the name. Training wheels. Wait, yeah. right. We got a new one, though, guys. We got a new one. Let it go. Let it go. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, the new one is tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. I mean, I think that's a hit. The minute I heard it, I, I thought it was spectacular. This is the show name, guys. Tampering. Unless, that, you like unless we get a better one. Unless we get a better one. You're right. <laughs> if we get a better one. Look, yes. uh, for people listening to the show, you, know you guys, you sent in a bunch oh. of good ones last week. Jade, Jade yes. was filling me in. Yes. Uh Keep sending us names. Maybe it'll just be a new name every week. Now that now that Yo. we've got the athletic behind us, we can Check just have artwork made every did, single week. No big deal. Sh- where did I share those with the with <laughs> with our group chat here? I mean, it'll always be influencers because that, you know that that's really the name of the pod. But Dude, every week, you're right. We'll have a new one. The minute you told me influencers, I was like, "That's the name of the show." What is Magnus? It's so, a card. But it's a it's card. more than that. It's a card. It's more than that. But let's take it back to where it all started. Okay. <laughs> I like I, I like how you started this show, Jade, by hopping in the bus, grabbing the wheel, and driving it right <laughs> over Sam's wishes. So the last thing we said before we joined uh, on here today was know, how man. Sam wants a, he wants a top five. He wants mm-hmm. a deep dive, a, a GM diving, style search. Deep diving, baby. And uh, yeah. you, process. Here, 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 one. here comes. Here comes James Dolan just telling us what we're doing. Shelton Burkhart, uh, for Sam and Joe's pod, you should call it the AV Club, like audiovisual. They give you all the sights and sounds of the NBA. <laughs> Dave, Dave, that's the show. The uh, AV Club. I, I don't know. I, I thought, There's Dave's uh, answer right there. Yeah. I don't uh, love we, that we, one. We also had restricted area. Oh, by the way, Tommy Ashton, he's the one who suggested tampering. Nice. Oh, there you go. Tommy Wait, the restricted Ashton. area, though. Hang on. Are we going basketball analogies again? No. See, that's why I like tampering. 
That's right. Yeah. Uh, the blown call. I don't know. Uh, tampering. <laughs> tampering's funny. Are you guys going to be recruiting for for any team in particular? Is that? Oh, it's wow. for the athletic, stealing, maybe uh, stealing other prominent NBA writers from other outlets. That's what the pod's <laughs> about. <laughs> so you guys are both in LA right now. Um, th- no- normally this is the part of the show where I'm asking coach Thorpe, uh, if he's wearing a tank top or not, I- I'm, I can see Joe Sam. I can't see you. I'm assuming that you're wearing a tank top. I'm wearing one of my, uh, I'm wearing one of my favorite t-shirts. I don't think Joe, Joe was on the run today when I saw him at warrior shoot around, he didn't get to appreciate my freedom of the press t-shirt that I'm rocking today. Ooh, I like that. Yes. It's yeah. from the, uh, from the, the museum. I like, so that. that's what I got going and it's road life. So I got a, uh, I got a freshly ironed shirt next to me in the suit waiting for tonight's game. And uh, we're living the hotel life. So in other words, Sam will be dressing like a banker for tonight's game. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I meanwhile, I, I was very LA today at shoot around. I had on my Dodgers hat, which I bought because last night I went to my first Dodger game ever. It's first fun, time right? Chavez, I was amazing. And I went with the old Canadian tuxedo today to shoot around, you know, a little uh, jean jacket, little jeans, some Nike air max. I, I just I felt very LA and, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe a little, um, you know, what's the word? You're uh, a little uh, self-conscious about that. So I didn't want Sam to see me. And so I took off. <laughs> you're not LA unless That's your sunglasses LA. were at least 800 bucks. If you didn't spend $800 <laughs> on your sunglasses. Then no, you're not LA enough. What were you saying, Sam? If you, Dave, if you take two zeros off that number, that, those are my sunglasses. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm doing. And then, Joe, you fit right in. We all know LA people like to leave early and quickly, and that was you with shoot around, buddy. You're out <laughs> there. Is, that is not true. I spent all my time with Mike Brown. Had a very conversation. Nice you did. Can I tell a real? Since we have fun with behind the scenes stories, this is harmless to share. That whole uh, show could just be us having fun with your behind the scenes stories, if you want. It's, you know, know, it's your I, show. So I ran into good old Mike Brown after Joe had a, I'm sure what was a a wonderful interview with him. And I couldn't resist telling Mike in the context of Jordan Bell's uh, unfortunate mishap last week that uh, Anthony Slater and I are our guest who's coming on soon. We're going to go have lunch and and put it on Mike's room at the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Did he laugh about it? He did. He did. Well, now he's in on the joke. He's in on the joke, uh, and sources say he he might now have an alias uh, when he goes to hotels. He is he has rectified the problem. <laughs> that's that's actually now that's a scoop. That's pretty funny. Uh, did he he didn't ride his motorcycle down, did he? Because he's like a big uh, Harley guy, right? Yeah, he's a big Harley dude. He's got a bunch of bikes. Um, I always kind of wonder how he rolls in L.A. in general, uh, as far as like this being a chapter that. Uh, that he comes back to. It's still weird for me to see him in staples and flashback to, you know, his life of managing Kobe late in his career and, and, and operating within those Lakers walls that, that were whispering even louder back then. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know if he's rocking the Harley on this trip. What about you guys? Did, did you guys, did you rent a car or no? Just staying near the arena? Never. We should never rent. A car. I was, yeah, I was lifting it. I was late, but I had a very LA, lift ride to the Staples Center. Shout out to Amy, the very nice lady who drove me to the, the arena. And only in LA do you wind up learning about a driver who, you know, during the day is driving for folks and at night is a singer-songwriter for a Netflix show working with is it David Fincher, the old uh, Fight Club and uh yep, what's the other one, Gone Girl um, mm-hmm. director. She's working with him like last night. They're working on this uh 
this show. I think it was called Mind Hunters, where she's doing the music. Oh, and it was great it show. was cool. Yeah, Very like good. she and, and she was all jazz, and it was it was you don't get that when I'm taking lifts in Sacramento. That wow, that's actually pretty funny. I've got a, well, a, a cool. few buddies that are that are stand up comedians in L.A., but you would expect them to be Lyft drivers during the day. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. But, uh, wow. To be working with David Fincher and driving a lift. Uh, you guys, you guys want to talk about basketball or, or Joe? Wait, what are you I about guess. to say? Oh, wait. I mean, we can keep talking <laughs> about LA if you guys want. I love LA. I love LA. Oh, I love LA. I've been here. I've had all these people come up and ask me if I live here now. It's just through the various assignments I've been here. I don't know, six or seven times since January 1st, but it's always in a hotel almost always downtown. So, um, and for the first time we've actually had some sun. So I've really been enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, when we were there for the live show, we had, I had like two days of good weather and then it was, it was pretty gross, Jade, like trying to walk around. It was, it was cold. It was wet. Where? In LA. When we were there for the live show. Was it wet? It rained. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It rained the night of the show. Remember that, Dave. It was a Do whirlwind. Not remember. It was a whirlwind. Uh, speaking of whirlwinds, uh, the Nuggets got smacked by the Warriors the other night. Um, I think they're going to have some issues a- as we look ahead to the playoffs. They're a really young team. Uh, their best player has some defensive concerns, not to mention some passivity concerns. Um, it, do you think the Nuggets are, are going to be one of these teams we remember as a good regular season team that really, really just didn't pan out in the playoffs? My concern with the Nuggets right off the bat is that they are built to win regular season games. And I think when you get into a postseason series, maybe as early as the first round, that they're they're going to have some problems. As you said, their best player is a defensive liability with, with Jokic and the Warriors exploited him to no end the other night. And that was really the main takeaway. So if you look at what's been happening with them lately, they've lost a bunch of games. They did beat the Spurs the other night. So they're hanging in there at, with the second seed, but I think they're only a game and a half up on, on Houston for that second seed. And and that's the one thing I wanted to talk about with you guys. And, and Sam wants you to weigh in is just how important is, is it for Denver this time to finish second? Um, I mean, it's, it's big. I just don't know where their psyche is at. I I told somebody the other day, I just feel like for one, we keep glossing over who the nuggets are when it comes to the arc of, of their story and forgetting that this is a squad that, you know, was fighting and scratching and clawing to get in the playoffs the last two years, couldn't get there. And like, you just do not see jumps, especially with the same core. It's not like they went out and got some superstar, um, you know, to go from that to, we're going to go to, you know, toe to toe with the warriors or teams like that. In that regard, it shouldn't shock anybody that they're falling off, but you know, their timeline got accelerated. Their confidence and their swagger was up on a high level. And now it's like the worst possible timing to, to come back down to earth. Um, I, I agree with you, Joe, that they look and feel like the type of squad that, that could get kind of punked in the first round. And we'll see if that happens. I mean, the other night with cousins, maybe that's a tiny bit of an outlier when it comes to, like DeMarcus, for one, that's a great matchup for him because Jokic is not going to be a, one of those bigs that, that makes you work all over the floor. He, he's lumbering. He's easier to keep your hands on. But DeMarcus, in general, has got it out for every big in this league right now who 
has unofficially been put above him on the totem pole, so to speak. And so, uh, but that was the second straight Nuggets Warriors game where he got beat really, really badly. Uh, but I, you know, I, I certainly have downgraded my own expectations as them, you know, as a possible conference finals team or something like that. I think they're just trying to hang on right now. Cousins I mean, also can, every Euro big, he, he really goes after I feel like yeah. that's a real thing. So, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I did, I had a conversation with a Western conference executive who thought the saving grace for the nuggets could be their ability to play two bigs at a time that when you can get into the half court, which is what you see so often come playoffs that being able to play Plumley and Jokic together will help them. I'm still not sure. I just, you know, you don't, you don't want to write the nuggets off. We were talking earlier about potential first round matchups. They punked the Spurs last night. There's no doubt about that, but that could be a matchup there. And you just have a system in San Antonio. That's used to this kind of thing. You worry about an upset there. And then the thunder who have also been horrendous for, for pretty much since the all-star break, but they still have those two stars, both playoff tested. It's just, I think, Wherever Denver ends up in that first round, that could be one of the most intriguing first round matchups. Yeah, De- Denver and Portland to me are the two that are the most vulnerable. Portland, not because they're a bad team, but just, you know, the CJ in- injury, we're still not sure, you know, what he's going to look like when he comes back, if he's back for the first round, which I'm assuming he will be. And then obviously losing Nurkic, you know, that, that puts him in deep trouble. Uh, in the first round, uh, especially against Utah, which right now would be the, would be the matchup. Um, but the nuggets defense, it was so good the first half of the year. And it just seems like right now they just cannot, they can't figure out how to stop these teams that can run a pick and roll and that can shoot. And in the playoffs, that's what you're going to run into. The teams are going to exploit it. So Dave, I just cheated and, and dived onto the old NBA stats machine, um, to get a clearer look at what's been happening with the nuggets. Cause I remember, Jokic the other day talking about their offense being so out of whack. And so the counterintuitive part is that when they were playing so well early on and that defense was so much better than anything we'd seen from them the past couple of years, you know, that was the, the thing that kind of propelled their success at that point, which would lead you to assume that the downfall was that the defense went away. So since February 4th, which is kind of when they, they went from, you know, just a elite team to uh, to a decent winning type club, they were 37 and 15. They have since gone 15 and 11, but it's not the defense. It's the offense is 16th in the league at that right. point. Uh, and this, at one point, this was kind of up there with one of the top three offenses out there. And the defense is actually seventh. So they just, they haven't found their way. And I'm certainly not going to pin it on one guy, but I don't think like the whole Isaiah Thomas experiment threw them off a little bit, I think. And, and they've had other stuff in there. Gary Harris struggling. Um, you know, Monte Morris was fantastic early on and then, you know, his role got changed and, and just a couple little things that seemed to have gotten their rhythm off. Well, Harris struggling. And then he was out with that ankle injury and Malik Beasley was fantastic and he's been great all year, but he was really, really great when, when he took over for Gary Harris and then Harris came back and just hasn't been the normal Gary Harris that we're used to all season. That's, that's 100%. a big, that's a big deal. Um, it's going to make this summer really interesting to watch for them because they, you know, they've got some, some salary cap decisions to make. This is a team. I don't think they're going to want to be in the tax. I'm assuming that they're, they're not going to pick up Millsap's player option, but I wouldn't be shocked if they tried to bring him back. Joe, have you heard anything? Uh, are they going to, are they going to try to bring him back on a smaller deal? 
maybe for a couple seasons. Yeah, I just don't see it's it's hard to see players uh, entering into a summer thinking about a smaller deal. I mean, you know, you just mentioned him and I'm looking at his numbers from last night. He played 20 minutes, three points. That's just <laughs> you can't you can't pay a guy big money for that. And and I think the Nuggets have like, for instance, the Nuggets tried to secretly make a little bit of a run at LeBron last summer. Denver isn't mentioned as that is that key destination. But with this class coming up with all these available free agents and the nuggets are a team that are kind of making, uh, making waves in terms of playing better and, and uh, collecting young talent, you could see them trying to move on from Millsap and try to sneak into uh, a different free agent. But I just haven't, I, I haven't gotten any sense on that, that they intend to bring him back on that, uh, on, the, on anything larger. Well, and they've also got, they've got Michael Porter, who right. is not going to play this year. So maybe, you know, maybe he's ready to go next year. Um, I worry about them running into a similar problem with Phoenix a few years ago. Remember when they had, they had that, that little run of success. They almost made the playoffs and they doubled down. And this might be a thing where the, you know, being the second seed or the third seed this season might make them feel that they're, they're really, really close to, to being able to go to the finals. And it could wind up setting them back. Cause this is a super young team they could set themselves back and, and do something silly, like maybe, you know, pick up the Millsap option. I don't see that happening. It's so much money, but something along those lines. And then they've actually stunted their growth. I mean, it, it would be, it would be nuts if they did it, but uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. I mean, they are, they're crazy young, which I think we forget about too. And the other little subplot, and I don't think this is all that substantive at this point, but it, it was interesting this week with, the Wizards letting go of Ernie Grunfeld, uh, mm-hmm. Tim Conley's name immediately being attached to that situation. You know, my understanding there is that for one, Tim is you know ecstatic with the situation in uh, in Denver, happy to be there. It's also a, a thing where, from a life standpoint, that's where he's from, and it's kind of understood that if there was a job that he would go for, it would be that one. Uh, you know, with that being said, like he he wants to be in Denver. I I just wonder, you know, if, if that gets any traction going in the summer because. The Wizards are going to give Tommy Shepard a crack at it when it comes to their list of candidates for that GM spot. Um, but Tim, with what he's been able to build in Denver, it's a little bit analogous to, you know, Masai Ujiri had his rise in Denver. And then the Nuggets essentially just didn't put enough money on the table and Toronto came and stole him away. So you know, I kind of wonder if, uh, you know, what, what might happen there. Well, the team that everyone is trying to beat, the Golden State Warriors. Curry. Steps back to tie. Oh my goodness, Steph Curry, you are ridiculous. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen in however many years I've been involved in the NBA. They they look extremely connected right now. And joining the show to talk about the Warriors with us is the Athletics Warriors beat writer, Anthony Slater. What's up, Anthony? What's up, fellas? I heard you guys just had lunch. Thanks for the invite. I mean, I'm not in LA, but nobody invited me. Yeah, you're gonna have to fly in for that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we hey. should mention that we have all these people here in LA, and none of us are in the same room together doing this <laughs> podcast whatsoever. That's a mistake. That's We're probably not even in the same part of LA. I mean, I, I feel like I'm at this point. I'm probably 45 minutes away from Sam. I don't even know where you are, Joe. But um, <laughs> I like it that way. Man of mystery yeah. here, Anthony. All right, yes. Anthony. So. All right. The Warriors, uh, they're playing like they don't hate each other. 
And yeah. it seems like the the main issue, that, right? <laughs> the main issue that they have chosen to kind of galvanize themselves is uh, them versus the referees. What what in the hell is the problem? Oh, I mean, it's always been like this. I, it, it to me, it kind of always stems from Draymond when they do this type of stuff because that's how he's kind of kept himself entertained the last few years. Really, ever since the the 2016 playoffs, where I still don't think he's over. Uh, what went down in those playoffs, but he just fires himself up by, by using the ref as kind of, uh, you know, a common enemy where yeah, Hey, Kevin, I might be mad at you, but we're more mad over there at Zach Zarber right now. So let's go after him. Uh, and then you look, Steve Kerr is a, um, you know, he, he can be a hothead, uh, self-proclaimed, uh, maybe a top 10 coach. Maybe you would say top five. I mean, he's breaking clipboards over there. Draymond is maybe top one, top two in the league of potential hothead. KD, um, even dating back, people act like when he moved to the Warriors, he he suddenly started like arguing more, going after refs. He had a 16 technical season in Oklahoma City. Uh, he came. Remember that was during the KD is not nice campaign. Right. Then he came here last year. Remember he got ejected five times last year. Yeah. Uh, he, he it like tied Rasheed Wallace's record. Um, so you have all of that, and then you add Demarcus Cousins, who uh, you know if we're saying. Draymond's not number one. Well, his competition up there is DeMarcus. So it's just a bunch of guys who confidently like to go after referees. They like to use them uh, as enemies on the court. Uh, and they are confident in their postgame comments, as which I, I assume this what we're talking about kind of refers to what happened in Minnesota the other night. Uh, and I, I, you know, I actually came off that night thinking, well, you know, they, as you kind of mentioned in the lead in, they are in a better place because uh, you can tell. Uh, they, they kind of got behind Kevin the other night. I think that was kind of an important thing for them to do. Yeah. I, I mean, they even roped Steph into this, like Steph, Steph mocking the referee. <laughs> Steph roped himself into it. I couldn't, you know, that didn't surprise me because Steph sometimes does that type of stuff on the court. But when he like named Merritt Koga in his uh, presser, and I think that's the first time Steph's had a, had a criticism that was fine worthy. Yeah. The total Fines were like seventy five thousand dollars for well, for those three guys. Draymond got hit the worst, and all he did was uh, type four letters on Twitter, and he got thirty five k. But I, you know, if if you even insinuate a Tim Donahue reference, I guess the NBA is coming down hard on that. Well, I, I think but they should. You can't do it. The timing from the league standpoint, I thought was pretty priceless, and and they would never cop to it. But you know, you're talking. What was it? Friday? Was it Friday to Tuesday? On the verdict? yeah, I I think. My understanding was that, uh, you know, the league office doesn't work over the weekend. So I expected something Monday morning, but they took a really long time. Well, I texted somebody from the league and I made the mistake of assuming that the Warriors were in the clear. And I said, like, man, really? Like, you guys aren't doing anything? And then the note I got back was like, what gives you that idea? Like, oh, all right. So you're going to drop this, you know, four hours before tip off against Denver. I mean, that might have been the longest lag time I've ever seen. Anthony, far more importantly, do you have any ideas for a name for Sam and my podcast? <laughs> a, a to V? A to V? Oh, no. <laughs> We're going back to that. See, that's in there. That, that's, that's in there. Listen, Anthony, uh, the it's Warriors. Pressure for you, Joe. You don't want to have to live up to the, the great Jeff Zilgit. Who, by the way, has a birthday today. So happy birthday, Jeff. Today? Wow. Hey, partner, that? partner, oh, Sam, Toledo. that's an F, Jeez. F for you. Whose birthday is it? Uh, Jeff Zilgit. Oh, USA nice. Today's finest. Shout out to Jeff. I'm texting him right now. <laughs> so, Anthony, the Warriors, they take care of the Nuggets. Now they've got 
just two absurd games back to back here. They play the Lakers who don't have anyone left at all. It's the South Bay Lakers. And then tomorrow they host the Cavs who are tanking and have taken everybody off, off the table. What, first of all, are the Warriors in a place where they can handle this, where they can pay enough attention to take care of these games? And do you think they need to, do they, should they go ahead and sew up this home court? Yeah, I mean, they should. Uh, does it matter? No. Uh, they could go 0-5 in their last five. And uh, is anyone not picking them to, you know, to come out of the West? Even if even if Denver hopped them, which at this point seems very, very unlikely, uh, they'd be fine in the two. You know, that would probably mean playing the Rockets, uh, you know, in the second round. But they would have home court over the Rockets. We'd probably all pick them over the Rockets. And I know they have zero fear about having to go into Denver if that was even a possibility, which at this point it doesn't seem like it will be. So to me, what do they have to play for just to kind of keep their sharpness a little bit going in the playoffs? Cause you know, they are in a better place than I've probably seen them in a couple of months. And it's a good time. You, you, they're just so good at, at navigating the season and, and kind of starting to peak at the point that you want to start peaking at, uh, which it seems like they're doing. And then the other thing I would say is if you look across the East, like what the Raptors have 23 losses and the Raptors would have the tiebreaker. So, um, you know, you could start, I'm not sure they're doing it, but their only battle it seems left is potential finals home court. But aren't aren't they probably thinking, okay, look, we don't want the finals home court because we want to win it in Oracle, right? So you're saying sweep? They're they're not only penciling themselves into the finals, but they're saying, well, you know, penciling in the sweep. Yeah, where will game four be? Um, Yeah, they're not. They're arrogant. They're not that arrogant. I convinced myself the other day after watching them look like they like to play with each other. And Kevin Durant, before he got ejected, uh, being a seven foot tall point guard, I was like, no, there's no way they're not going 16 and zero in this playoff. Yeah. You know, it seemed to change. Uh, remember when they went to Houston and Oklahoma city, they were coming off that just yep. terrible home sons loss, which was coming off a blowout loss at home to the Celtics. Uh, they went to Oklahoma city, KD and late in that Suns loss had tweaked his ankle and he misses the Houston and Oklahoma city games. Um, cousins had been struggling before that. And, you know, apparently cousins, uh, had a long talk on the plane with the coaching staff and he came into that game. He was really good in that Houston and in the Oklahoma city game. KD didn't play. They played kind of like their old school warrior style basketball with, wrapped in a DeMarcus cousins kind of vibe played well. And then KD came back from that. And he see, he, not only did he, was he good after those losses? He was kind of like, you could tell he was like more celebratory in the locker room, more talkative with guys than we'd seen him in the past. But then coming off of that, he's really taken somewhat of an offensive backseat, which you're talking about kind of seven foot point guard. Uh, and they've kind of taken off since, since that road trip. Yeah. I've never seen him run hammer before. And now I've seen him do it like three games in a row. And that it's, it's jarring to see a guy, his size. I mean, a lot of the stuff we watch him do is is jarring to to the normal basketball brain, but to watch him do that in particular for some reason, I, I felt like my brain was broken. Yeah, uh, it's jarring to see him take only five six shots in a game where he's playing like thirty minutes, uh, and he's done that twice in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and at first, I I almost thought it was like a defiant type thing he was doing. Like, okay, you know, you guys can win without me. You don't need me. Whatever. Like, I'll just come out here and kind of you know just you know, play passive and kind of just floated around. Uh, but then he kept doing it and it was working well and they were winning well with it. And, you know, he was kind of picking and choosing his spots. And not only was he 
barely taking shots, but he was like hitting everyone. He had a five of six game. He had a five of five game. He had a 12 of 13 game in Memphis. Uh, and they've been, you know, in those games, they've been playing so well. I almost think he's come to kind of embrace this style of play. I don't know if it'll continue in the playoffs. A team like Houston's very good at dragging the Warriors back into kind of an isolation game where they're forced to give it to KD uh, more, but um, they're going to need to be pushed because if they're not pushed, then, then they, you know, they may just cruise and KD may be just happily playing this style. Slater, I'm going to drag you into the obligatory KD component of this discussion. You know where I'm going. Like, and you, we talked about it a little bit at lunch. Just what is your perspective? You know, as we sit here in early April, we're, we're talking about less than three months to good old free agency that we've been talking about all year long. And, you know, I don't think you'll mind sharing some of the stuff that you were hinting at before. And, and the idea that, that Kevin, not only the on-court stuff that you're talking about seems to be going well and within the context of what they want to do as a group, but what observations are you seeing when it comes to just his vibe and, and his kind of spirit right now? It's better. Um, you know, remember in that, in that struggle patch that I was talking about that included those bad losses to like Celtics sons, uh, he had, he, you know, he had maybe three or four weird, awkward press conference moments. But uh, the one that I think may have like turned them a little bit was when he seemed to, he said something, it was to Kawakami about the joy, anger. Oh, you know, I thought we played with joy around here. Now it's anger. But it came off as a shot at Steve Kerr. Um, and it was, I mean, if you just read it, it was a shot at Steve Kerr. And I think ever since then, they've kind of, uh, they kind of got in their bubble a little bit and, and it seems like at least have convinced him like, look, even if you are leaving, I'm not saying you are, I'm not saying you, you aren't, but let's enjoy the last few months. And he seemed to finally have embraced that. If it is one last ride, let's make it a fun one, not just an uncomfortable one. Uh, and you know, he, he that that's mattered around the team. And, and you, Sam, as you know, you've been around the team a ton this year as his mood goes, the team's mood seems to go. Uh, and because he's been a bit brighter lately, uh, the entire team feels, I think, a little bit more comfortable to be a bit, bit brighter. Anthony, this sounds like Cavs LeBron level drama. And I think this is your third year on the beat, if I'm not mistaken. And so what I wanted to ask you was, do you feel the grind? Do you feel the drain, the just sort of the drama taking its toll and all the winning there taking its toll in terms of the length, the lengths of these seasons. Is it something that you feel being in that room every day? Yeah. You know, I, I thought last year it was the boredom aspect of it. And it was like, just, you know, can the playoffs just come here? The games were very uninteresting. There was no cousins component. Uh, Kevin Durant was a free agent to be last year, but he made it zero drama. I remember he told me in Houston or in Atlanta on the record, I'm hundred percent coming back. So it wasn't even a story at all last year. The, the only issues were just, they were dealing with injuries and they, they just really didn't care at all. Whereas this season, I think it's been less about like complacency and more about like legitimate, you know, KD drama The you know, Draymond green takes a sledgehammer to the entire season early in November <laughs> by doing what he did in Staples center. I mean, that's still kind of looms over the team. Um, and ever since then, it's, you know, drama after drama, it, it's small things. Stuff seems to be leaking out more than, than usual around here. And, you know, it's not even just the Warriors doing, I mean, if you're Kevin Durant, I don't think you love that the Knicks are putting out a uh, season ticket renewal with your picture on it. Uh, I don't think you're loving that James Dolan's coming out and basically hinting publicly like, Oh, don't worry. Like we're getting free agents this year. Like that's at, like stuff is kind of being tossed at them way more than last year. And now that is, 
in a large way Kevin's fault because he has done these one and ones. He has definitely not shot down any of these rumors, but they're facing a lot more of that this year where that seems to be what's wearing on them that more than last year where it was just like, let's just get April 10th here. Well, Anthony, uh, I know you got to run, but thanks for popping in. We, we had it, the obligatory warriors conversation had to happen. We are contractually obligated to talk about the warriors and, uh, appreciate you jumping in. Yeah. They, they finally start to matter. You know, it almost feels like, uh, <laughs> that's right. For, for months and months, it's like, uh, you know, let's just get the playoffs here. Now they actually become uh, the king again. I can sympathize with the players that are like, can we just get to the playoffs? I, I, I feel the same way. Been mailing Slater, it in all year, Jade. We're in L.A., Slater. You can't be dropping the king like that. Come on, man. I mean, the guys <laughs> oh, are ready to the playoffs. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah, no LeBron uh, versus the Warriors this year. Be first time in a while. All right. First thanks, time man. in my career. He only played 21 minutes against him this year. He missed three of the four games. It's kind of dull. It's bad for the NBA. Oh, yeah. No, it's terrible. Terrible, terrible for ratings. Too. Absolutely terrible. Uh, and in, in fact, Slater, yeah. it makes me wonder why the hell the NBA did not allow this Anthony Davis thing to happen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and, it's just good it, for the game. Get, yeah, it would have been. That would have that juiced things up. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. That's a deep conspiracy theory. No, no, no. Um, but it's not, though, right? Like, it's of just, course it is. What are you talking about? You're blaming the league, Jade? But what I'm saying is if the yeah. Pelicans ownership was, you know, so dead set against making this happen, it's just like I would think of it like this is good for the whole league. Sure. Right. <laughs> right? It's, yeah, like I, play, it's like playing golf with Tiger Woods when he's when he's healthy, right? I, yes. It would like if Anthony Davis was on the Lakers and we were going to a TNT amazing. game tonight that potentially could have been like a one, four matchup in the second round. It would be a lot more interesting, but I mean, I don't think they can force the Pelicans to take a trade. Right. They'd have to guarantee him the number one pick, right? They did like they didn't plead. Now you're getting deep. (laughs) Now you're getting real deep, but they've already promised that to the Knicks. (laughs) It's in the CBA. The league is only allowed to intervene in a, in a new Orleans Lakers trade once in the span of 20 years. And they they pulled the CP card. Yeah. can't do it twice. I I was just, I was, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Dave. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, speaking of LeBron. Um, yes. Yeah. Hey, summer starting yeah. early for LeBron. It is. Uh, it actually started about a week ago on Saturday. He They shut him down. Uh, we were on the pod that Thursday on this pod here talking about if that was a good idea for the Lakers to shut him down, if they would. And we both kind of thought that they wouldn't, that they would want him to play at least a little bit for whether it be for PR purposes or because he's going to have such a long summer. And that turned out not to be the case. Of course, his last game was Friday here at Staples. I think he had uh, 27 points and and nine assists and in a win. And then the the next day they announced that he was out for the year. Uh, I talked to LeBron that Friday after the game. And then again on Sunday after they had shut him down, uh, we'd spoken privately about what he is going to do this summer. And we had also speculated responding to some other talk throughout the league that maybe because of this layoff, LeBron would reconsider and play for Team USA this summer, play for pop play with them as they go to China for the the FIBA World Cup. 
And his response to that was, is that he had never intended to do that uh, and that he couldn't now because he's got a movie to shoot, which, of course, is, is Space Jam 2. And if you look at, at it a little further, they they set the production schedule for this summer with the knowledge that he had no intention of playing for Team, US, Team USA. He has left open the possibility of playing in the Olympics in 2020 in Japan. And I think Sam, that's the first thing. I mean, at, at that point he'll be 35 and let's assume that the Lakers find a way back into the playoffs. So he'll have another extended year. Would that make sense at all for him to play in, in 2020? No, not in a vacuum, but I, I'm kind of fascinated by his respect and regard that he's got for pop. That to me is the biggest draw. And it's like that part of your career where that's a box that he's never been able to check. Um, you know, I don't know if that in and of itself is enough to get him there. Uh, and certainly I think it matters. The tricky part is that you can't necessarily, uh, I mean, you're LeBron, you probably could, but ideally you can't tell the national team, check back with me when I know how long our playoff run is. You know, that's always a tough kind of game to play as they try to get their roster together. But I, I could see it. You know that, you know, in general, like Jerry Colangelo always has that, expression with the national team of you know players who have built up capital lebron's built up as much as anybody so they're going to keep a spot open as long as you know he wants them to uh so i think you know who knows i'm kind of torn on it i think if you get into that mid-30s reflective part of life especially when it's nearing the end of the road for a guy like that i, I could see him wanting to, to go experience that one last time uh, apparently they're building a, a full-size basketball court just like they did for jordan uh, for the production of space jam two, is he going to, is he going to be able to get guys to come in and, and play? Is this where the big pickup spots going to be this summer? I think so. And I think we don't even know who his, who the supporting cast is, right? We Apparently don't know. He's having trouble filling it out. <laughs> That's what I read today that they're having a hard time finding guys the that want to star in a movie with LeBron James filling, filling out all kinds of rosters. I'm days. just saying, the, the cat, like, yeah. The Cavs you know. used to half jokingly say that that Space Jam Two, whenever it got made, that would be their way of circumventing the cap. That's that it. they would they'd be able to bring in these these free agents on smaller contracts, and then they'd be able to make up the difference with whatever they could make from Space Jam Two. But you know, unfortunately for the Cavs, they couldn't hold on to him long enough to see that plan come to well, fruition. Hey, if he if they have trouble, I am available. You can contact my agent on Twitter at Jade underscore Hoy. He will handle all the negotiations. Uh, so, so LeBron with time off. Okay. The, I'm sure that he's got a crazy training schedule. Um, you touched on it a little bit in your piece uh, on the athletic uh, where you can still subscribe 40% off at theathletic.com slash dings. Um, I mean, this is the most rest he's going to have since 2005. That's it's crazy to think about that. He's got that much time off. You know, what is he going to look like when he comes back next season? Are we going to see like the best condition LeBron? Are we going to be on LeBron muscle watch? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that he is going to come back looking great. Um, I, I even thought that after I didn't like how he looked when he came back initially after the groin injury. And I was concerned even through the all-star break and, um, you know, those first couple games back when he was talking about activating, but, but I, I liked how he looked in his last game. And so I think his conditioning's there with this amount of time off, you do expect him to be lighter, quicker, 
mentally more engaged. And so uh, this is something that he's embracing. I mean, I think the first quote in my story was how he's going to be uncomfortable, but that's from the standpoint of having to watch others play in the playoffs, having to kind of accept defeat for one year. And then also I think the amount of working out that he's going to do, but from a, a broader sense, he's embracing this chance to reset. That makes sense. Oh, I mean, we'll yeah, see. Sam, I was like, I, was like Sorry, I thought you were jumping in. My bad. I missed my cue. No, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, you know, the, the reactivation looks like because it didn't happen in season. But we know that once he's got that full runway that he hasn't had in so long, and then he's got that staff around him that, you know, Joe, you've written about and, and people have talked about how unique that is. And nobody in the entire league invests as much, I don't think and himself and his process and his regimen and LeBron. And, and now more than ever is when that stuff ends up taking you to the level you want to remain at. So I'm curious because you also had the legacy side and you have, you know, like we, it's so cliche in pro sports in general for guys to, you know, to always pluck things out of the ether that motivate them and, and haters or whatnot. But with LeBron, it's going to be somewhat real going into next season with people essentially saying, it's been a good run, man. We enjoyed you and, and acting as if, you know, he's career wise kind of dead man walking. And, and, you know, the idea that he can't flip that script again and, and maybe be an elite club in the West with this Lakers squad, depending on who they have, like that's obviously a scenario that could still unfold, even though right now, when we talk casually about this stuff, like the whole narrative, you know, is pushing hard the other way. So, you know, I'm kind of dying to see what he looks like when October rolls around. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be 35 in December, right? I mean, he's not a spring chicken. So I, I think that, you know, people doubting him, uh, shouldn't be taken as disrespectful. It should just be more like, wow, we've been amazed by what you've been able to do, but we've that's just fair. seen this. We've seen this yeah. story play out too many times. Dave, that's fair. But I think the only like jarring part of it is that it went from like the whole entire narrative being, you know, best 34 year old in the history of pro sports right to you know to this to now we're just going to pull the father time card as if that's where this was going the entire time like no we we had him as thanos like eight months ago that's how you're 15 that's all we heard yeah let's not forget though we're talking about 27 and a half eight and a half and eight I mean, those simply are not numbers of a guy who is washed up and and yes the lakers flopped Yes, he had something to do with it. His attitude and effort on defense were the worst of his 16 seasons. I don't think there's a question there, but the guy can still play. I mean, I was looking, I know we're getting ready to talk about the Rockets here in a second. And I was just laughing because I'm looking at Chris Paul's numbers over the last week. And he had a, he had a great night last night here in LA against the Clippers. But the night before, I think against Sacramento, he was awful. He was three of 12 from the floor for the, like, like an old guy. Yeah. And, and no one's talking about Chris being washed up like that. I mean, Chris is small though. Yeah, true. But we're, we I mean, have called him washed almost all season. He, he has, <laughs> his issue has been injuries. I would sure. say more I mean, so. it's a little bit of both, but, but, but my, my broader, my point yeah, was, I guess. yeah. Um, can you imagine what we'd be saying about LeBron? Th- th- that would be historic. If LeBron even had one night like that because he has scored at least 10 points in like a thousand games or something like that. Chris has had less than 10, two out out of his last four. Yeah. The the slippage is so slight, but it's, you know, when you've got Superman out there, you know what I mean? And we're used to, there's never a slip. And then you watch him. 
it's also the system, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. A weird, the team, it's the a team weird is parallel. bad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's the thing. It's a weird parallel to make, but you know, it's a little bit like the recent conversation around Devin Booker, you know, phenomenal player, put up huge numbers, but it, at what, you know, it's, it's completely hollow. I, I think with Chris, Joe, and like the, the obvious difference there is that hypothetically, I'm curious to see, like, let's go ahead and say the Lakers do pull off that AD trade that Jade wants so badly <laughs> and they get this thing done. And then like, what are LeBron's numbers going to look like next to a guy like that? Cause uh, you know, with Chris, we don't bang on him because he's got his Superman right next to him. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's required. Chris can lock in on defense. Chris can be a leader. Chris can do all these intangible things and still get credit because the other dude is actually filling up the box score. I got something crazy that I literally just thought of. So I'm throwing this, throwing a curveball. Hey, you guys, if the Lakers strike out, can they convince themselves to trade for Chris Paul? Oh man. Can I tweak that? Can I, I'll tweak that. Absolutely. Tweak it. That's, that's what the show's all about. This is, this is what I love about pods because you end up saying stuff that you thought about writing and then you kind of like, it's you, you kind of test it, you know, it's a little survey (laughs) type deal. Um, Russell Westbrook, like what if, the thunder season just goes down in a blaze of glory and they just show no competency in the playoffs and no ability to scare anybody of any repute in the West. Uh, you know, I had this kind of casual chat with somebody recently of Lakers options. And if the Lakers called the thunder, what would the answer be if they wanted to give OKC, you know, that package that they had ready for new Orleans and more like, you know, I Boston, can't imagine. Like them say yes. Yeah, but I mean, dude, just drop twenty, twenty, twenty. Like you know, like if you need a star to go with him. I'm oh, I'm he, saying I don't think OKC yeah. would trade him. Right, I don't think so either. Um, I think honestly, two things. It's and this is a different pod, but like OKC in general, and the fact that they've been able to stay one step ahead of the wolves, so to speak, when it comes to being small market, and that when the day finally comes when they don't have a competitive team it's going to be really ugly in OKC from a just kind of a, a market standpoint and, and a fan base standpoint, you know, that's kind of a concern out there that they've always been able to keep at bay. The other thing is from a politics of the NBA standpoint with superstars, like the concern obviously would be, we saw how the Clippers got talked about when they, and not that it's hurting them now, but like when they traded Blake Griffin after giving him that deal, like, like, you know, kind of turning your back on Russ would not be looked upon favorably at all, Absolutely. but it's also like good, good management also gets ahead of situations. That's what good GMs do. And there's always a threshold and a line there that, you know, I'm always fascinated to see when teams actually pull a trigger. That, I hadn't even thought about Russ as a possibility for the Lakers. I, I don't think it's, I don't think, that, that I, I know this is just a hypothetical. This is this is part of the game. I mean, this is just talk. I'm not. I'm yeah, not yeah. Well, anything, same with know. Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah. That Chris Paul's got a big contract, hold on, and Chris hold Paul. On. I believe it's been aggregated, Sam. Already. <laughs> exactly. I said it's, it's Sam. It sounds like you're tampering with people's peace of mind. Yeah. Here. <laughs> J- 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 Jade is doing the aggregation. Who knew? Uh, okay. So you have a ghostwriter, Jade. Is that hold on, real quick? I, I think I'm getting so, to the bottom of this. I've been working with Jade for a while. Do it as like a guest. Now I'm in the shop. Like Jade, do you have a ghostwriter, and you just want buzz around the show? 
and then you have people aggregate all this stuff we say. Is that really what's going on here? I, it's 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 that has crossed my mind. I've tried to convince <laughs> certain people that I work with to do that, but they have yet to agree to it. I don't know all why. Right, they might right. have some morals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Speaking of the Rockets, um, all right. I'm just going to come out with it. James Harden is not the MVP. Oh, Plain man. and simple. He's not. Man. Giannis has done this all year. James Harden came in out of shape. First two months, the Rockets were terrible. Yes, he's been amazing since then, but he's not the MVP. Am I wrong? Uh, today, I, I think, think you're wrong. Is. I think it's close. I, I mean, I, I think it's close, but it's super close. I, I'm not saying that James Harden is garbage. I'm going to push back on on your narrative. So. He's been doing what Giannis has been doing this all year. Like let's, let's lock in on that word. This, what is this? If you, if you, in a, in a nutshell, describe the bucks and how they function, like, and how does this compare to the Rockets formula? Uh, it's actually, they're, they're pretty similar. They're pretty similar, but he, they just get more, there's more hockey assists for Giannis, but stylistically, I think that they're pretty similar where he is the son in that offense, he being Giannis, just like James Harden is. Everything else revolves around him. The difference is that Giannis is also pulling down 12 rebounds a game and is the front runner for the defensive player of the year. I think that has to matter. Boy, I, uh, the, the Rockets would be ahead, nowhere without James Harden. What do we got Absolutely. for win totals? What are, what are win totals right now? Well, the Bucks are 58 so and 20, and the Rockets are 51 and 28. Yeah, if he, so if he's they got get, that too. That's it. If they get the 60, it's a done deal, I would think. I think I think Giannis is going to win. He's going to win. Yeah. I think I'm going to vote for him, but I'm not sure. And part of it is because I, I, I've watched the Rockets a bunch, been to a bunch of their games, and just w- been there at a number of times where Harden had to score 35 or 40 to win, and that's what he went out and, and did. And I just, you think about where they were at the start of the year, and then Chris Paul gets hurt, and almost every move they made bench-wise didn't pan out, and, and then Harden goes on the run that he that he enjoyed, and now look where they are competing for that second spot. And I just, there there is a case to be made for him. I just think he'll probably finish second. Well, Dave, your point about them, them both being the sun and the moon, like in theory, that's true. Uh, I just think that it's funny because Mike Budenholzer very possibly is going to win coach of the year. For me, this is one of those years. I always have a little bit of a, it's not, this is not a black and white type thing, but like the concept of the same team getting coach of the year and MVP has always tugged at me a little bit because mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like sure. the system or the star type right. deal. And, and you got an, and I admittedly I'm cheating again on, on NBA stats, but you got an mm-hmm. eight point gap in usage rate between these two guys. I mean, James obviously handles that ball at a ridiculous rate. Um, this game is certainly not all about scoring. And if you break it down on a per possession standpoint, you know, Giannis is right there with James and, and I get that, but I, you know, you look at the damn scoring list and it's holy, you're talking almost a, a, a double digit gap between James and Paul George as the second leading scorer in the league. It's about eight points. Um, you know, that's a, a big, big deal. The defense is an interesting debate because Giannis is incredible. Anchors arguably the best defense in the league. Statistically um, it is. They have the, they yeah. have the number one defensive rating in the league. Right. Right. And the number three you know, offense. So it's not, this is the weakest part of the argument, but James is James is 
narrative is always like how, you know, how badly is his defense going to get judged? And this year by his standards, it's probably better than ever. And so that is less of a knock against him this year. The Rockets are certainly, you know, admittedly with this interview I just did with Mike D'Antoni, like they've got people in the spin room. They want to, and it's a lot of, it's got a lot of meat on the bone. They're talking about his post defense skills, the switchability, things like that, his effort. And then also acknowledge, yeah, deflection steals, you know, he's right there up top. And, And then also to their credit, they're not running from, like and straight out of Mike's mouth, like does he lose his guy? Yes. Does he still have moments that make you frustrated? Yes. Did Kobe do the same thing? Russ, LeBron, like this is not <laughs> a new thing. Um, so I, I just and then we can go numbers all day long. And this is not ultimately what's gonna decide my vote, but I, I have been trying hard to just really be as present and aware as possible when I watch these two teams play, the Bucks and the Rockets, and just kind of let their games hit me in terms of just almost the old school fan part of us and how we got into this and why we got into this in the first place. And Giannis just jumps off the screen far less frequently than James does. And a lot of that is having the ball in your hands, but you know, the bucks, they were in Sacramento a couple of weeks ago. They had 72 points in the first half. Giannis had five. That is not a stat line you will ever see coming out of Houston. That doesn't make one right and the other wrong by any means. But um, the load that he's carrying and what he's doing with it right now has me kind of leaning that direction. So you're saying that I'm wrong (laughs) (laughs) on my show. No, we're not there yet. No, um, I just think the other that defense, man, I'm with you on the coach of the year thing. I get the point there because you're saying that that might actually be a system that has just uh, elevated Giannis. And it's not necessarily that Giannis is elevated, but uh, you know, the system being built around James Harden benefits him too. It benefits, but it requires that, you know, that's like saying that it's a lot of work that that, that me bench pressing 400 pounds was the the product of somebody giving me a bench and a, and a a bunch of weights. Like I got to be able to do it. And we're just going to let that go that you can, that you can bench 400 pounds. No, the point is I can't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Although I think I'm, I think it, I think I'm saying Giannis couldn't, and he probably can. But you know, I, I, there's systems on both sides. Um, the other thing, the cherry on top part of, of my argument for you, Dave, as I try to go at you on your own show, is no, that it's good. They were 11 and 14 early. They were off the tracks. It's not. I keep hearing people talk as if it's like this major black eye to James this candidacy uh, relating to his individual play. And the dude, what is it here? He was he went for thirty eight and almost six during that start, and he missed three games. So that's twenty two games. They were ten and twelve when they had him. But you know, it's not like he wasn't filling the box score up during that stretch too. But they weren't winning games. No, I hear you. But if you, it's the end result. So the, if you get back, they're within seven games of the Bucks right now. They, if you go back to that, and we can always move the the goalpost on timestamps. But like, if you go back to that December 8th marker, when they finally turned it around, there are two wins behind the bucks since December 8th. So you got to go totality and you're right. Like they weren't winning games. That's his kind of mark against him. He also like Giannis didn't have to deal with any injuries until late in the year. You know, I mean, the Rockets were out there without Chris Paul out there without Clint Capella. They're out there with Darren Worry bringing six new dudes on board and, and picking Kenneth Fareed and Austin Rivers up off the scrap heap. There's been, there's just two very different scripts to these two seasons. 
Are you surprised? I mean, now that we're we're almost done, we're almost done with this whole year. Are you guys surprised that the Bucks are the best team in the NBA record wise? I mean, if you go yes. back to where you, wherever yes. you were in October, I mean, that's so that's the thing. And and I'm normally with you, Sam, when it comes to I don't like voting for a player and a coach on the same team when you're talking about postseason awards. And I, I didn't intend to this time, but damn, I sit here and I just think about. I'd spent a lot of time on a, on an East preview, if you will, kind of who's going to fill the, the void left by LeBron and Milwaukee was almost an afterthought. I mean, all the attention, all of it was on Boston and Toronto. And then after that, you were looking at Philly and Milwaukee is just, they're just great. And, and why is it? Well, they do have the best player. And then on top of that, they've got a different coach who has installed a system and made that team top to bottom better. So Damn, maybe there is a case for both of them. It's so I actually don't think that Bud is the coach of the year, and uh, I, I think Nate McMillan is the coach of the year because I think he's he's done so much with so little there, um, and that has to matter. Whereas Bud walked into a, a spot, and we were going to talk about awards anyway, so I guess this is a good segue. Um, Bud walked into a team that was a good roster, and anyone could look at it and say, wow, this team should be so much better, but, Bud is actually a coach and the guy they got rid of didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he was allergic to them shooting three pointers. <laughs> I the think Lakers I, gonna hire that guy? it's a little hipster for me, Dave. What's that? The, Nate McMillan. 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 <laughs> They're fighting the for horse? the four seed without their best player for the major, like overwhelming majority of the season. That is yeah. That is crazy. crazy. It is. Who's it's the second admirable. best player in Indiana? But it's you know, but it, it is. It's also something to like what Kerr did with the Warriors. Like he took them to the next level. You know. Yeah, so. but they also won 60, 65 games that first year. Or was it sixty seven? Sixty seven. Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the Bucks are going to win sixty, maybe sixty two. All right, maybe I change change the story. Right. But no, I, I hear think, you. Listen, yeah. Nate's been he's been tremendous. He's not going to get it because they don't get any exposure and any love, and he deserves to at least be on the short list. I hear you yeah. there, and I hate to admit it. We always fight the human component of awards voting, and I, you know, this is like therapeutic for me to say it out loud to make sure I don't do it. But like, they're just not. You usually want to attach these awards to the the most scintillating stories, the most relevant stories, and right. the Pacers have by and large, not even been a story this year. It's been, oh, gee, they lost Victor Oladipo. That's too bad. That's going to be tough. Oh, look, they're still winning games. That's great. But, you know, they just, they don't move the needle. They don't have much media out there. They haven't been able to certainly be dominant. Like, if you're dominant on the Bucks level, then you force everybody to talk about you. But um, I don't disagree with you that he is right there. I mean, what he has done has been tremendous in their defense. Not Because it's not only the results, the way they've done it. Right. His mentality, his system, his defense, and and having like any given night, they have nine guys scoring in double figures, and, and so that's that's a very uh, kind of coaching esque type of uh, if you're doling out credit, like that's what a, yeah. a good coaching job looks like. And you know, he took Miles Turner just this year. Like Miles Turner was a guy who, to me, I, my biggest knock was he's so good at blocking shots, but he's so terrible at defense. That guy's in the defensive player of the year conversation. I mean, yeah. he, I think he's second team, all defense, uh, center it's him or Embiid and, and Gobert's probably the you know first team, but right. and he's just been amazing. And I, I'll put that on McMillan. I mean, McMillan, like that defensive mindset, like you talked about, I think he's been incredible. I want to, I, I wanted to vote for doc 
I think yeah. that's who I'm going to vote for. I'm not sure entirely yet. But then, you know, we're just talking about Clippers versus Pacers. I mean, one of the things was you thought that the Clippers were really kind of devoid of talent. And then they traded their best player, Tobias Harris. But, I mean, I don't think the Pacers have anybody as good as Gallinari, do they? No. 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 And, I mean, Lou Williams is is better at what he does than anybody in the NBA. And Montrez Harrell is is right there with them. And so that's three unsung and yet, I mean, top-end type type players. So that would take away from, from, from Doc's. Candidacy. I just think for the Clippers, they could end up being fifth. They they were picked in large part to have to, to not even really be a playoff contender. So I think he's got to be looked at. Yeah, I, yep. I I have Doc he's, like in that conversation. I also have Dave Yeager. Yeah, I mean Dave. You know they fell off a little bit near the end of the year, but he deserves a lot of credit. He's certainly not going to win it. Um, no, but. Yes. How do you how do you choose? Do you pick three or four coaches? How do you do that? I believe it's three, isn't it, Joe? One, two, three. Jeez. Three or five. There's three, I think. Here, I'll pull it up. Hold Are on. you guys going to reveal your ballots? Yeah, I, mean, I don't mind talking about it. They, uh, okay. No, I mean they they publicize them. Yeah. Um, um, so you want to move on from from coach? Let's talk rookie of the year. This one to me is another. It, to me, it's a no-brainer. Just like Rookies, my Giannis one is a no-brainer. Dave, I'm I'm jumping in again. I apologize. This Do is it. Bad form. I'm just killing you on your own pod. Good. No. Um, good. I love. So I, this thought has got to. I got to get it out to finish our MVP talk. Yeah. If I was Giannis, if I was Giannis, and I and I didn't win it, you know what would piss me off is the. To his credit, he has sacrificed based on what Bud wants him to do. Right. Um, because we all know like Giannis could do his James Harden version, you know, on within the buck system much more than he already does. You're, mm-hmm. You know, we always gloss over damn near a five minute per game gap between the two guys. You know what I mean? It's not even right. just the usage rate and it's just good old fashioned court time. And so that 27, 12 and six, you know, is that, is that 34, 14 and eight? You know what I mean? Like if they put, if they if they prioritize the regular season and prioritize things like awards, then you know we would have seen something even more juiced up than what Giannis did. Yeah, Giannis is scoring thirty per thirty six, and uh, James Harden is still ridiculous with thirty five per thirty six. So, you know, right. But then Giannis's rebounding numbers go go way. I mean, he goes to like almost fourteen a game, six and a half assists if he was playing more minutes. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. The per 36, it's, you know, or 75 possessions or, you know, whatever you want to use. Uh, it's definitely a better way if you want to look at the numbers, but we're going to look at the raw data. Cause so there is a point where the advanced stats don't do enough. And sometimes you just need to say, look, uh, this guy actually puts 36 points on the board every game. And that has its own value. So I, you, you're, you're, I'm, I've got a little bit of, uh, my, my foot in both camps on the stats. Um, yeah, I'm actually working on a Giannis video. This guy is amazing. He's, he's ridiculous. (laughs) The dunks, the dunks. He's, he is developing into an amazing player. (laughs) Like I didn't think it was possible. Like this level, like this guy is going to be incredible next year. Did you guys see, uh, did you see the video of him in the media session the other day when they, 
talk to him about being on the cover of Sports Illustrated? No, no, no. All right. So it was, it was entertaining. And listen, he's, I mean, call it charming, call it refreshing. Like he's obviously, he's just a different kind of dude. All of the above. Personality wise. Well, so when I, when I wrote about them a few weeks back and they came through Sacramento and it, it struck me right away that there were legitimately two media members, myself included at their practice in Sacramento. And I can share this part now, but it was Chris Ballard at SI was the other person. So we ended up, and I'd never done anything like this. We ended up teaming up with Giannis for an interview because Giannis had made it clear that he wasn't really interested in doing one-on-ones at the time. So Ballard and I basically said, hey, why don't we just kind of have a good old-fashioned conversation, and if you ask him a question, then that's going to be your material, and then if I ask him a question, that'll be mine. And Chris and I are good enough buddies that we pulled this thing off. But I was waiting and excitedly waiting to, to read Chris's piece. So it, it finally comes out in the magazine. He's on the cover. And I know as this is not 1995 anymore. I know it's it's not a print world per se and SI and, and like a lot of other you know big time mainstream media platforms is different. But bottom line, Giannis uh, didn't know he was on the cover until Chris Middleton told him. And he kind of just smiled and said, thank you very much. That, that's nice. But even that, just the idea that that he wasn't out there hustling in social media trying to see where all of his shine was and that somebody had to go out of their way to tell him that, oh, by the way, you're on every news rack in the entire country, I thought was uh, was kind of cool. That's that's actually really cool. Uh, did you, you saw the thing where the he's he the the he was doing uh, autographs and there was a little girl oh, I who had that. done all that artwork. I love yeah. that. It was it was awesome. Like this guy, I mean, he's Loved a superstar it. in every single way you want him to be. I got to uh, do the video project. I put it out again. I, I the Arnovitz one with, with Arnovitz. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, he is. He's something else. This guy, he really is. I yeah. mean, listen, all these guys are very interesting. Absolutely. But, um, um, but yeah, he is. I just can't believe how goddamn good he is. <laughs> he's, so he's so big. That's the thing. I mean, what did he put on? Fifty pounds this over the is, off season. I mean, yeah. I'll give you a little uh, uh, spoiler here with uh, Tom's big number, right? So um, today's big number is one hundred and fourteen. That's the number of unassisted dunks by Giannis Antetokounmpo this season, the most we've seen since the NBA started tracking dunks in two thousand. By far, twenty five percent of his made field goals are dunks. The next number two on this list was Dwight Howard, 06, 07, 95. Shaq in 04, 05 with 93. But Giannis doesn't, wow. shoot, th- Giannis doesn't shoot threes at all, right? Uh, he's no, shooting more. Huh? So month shoot. over month, he's, he's taking more. Because I think that, that that's part of this discussion, too. For as dominant as he is and the unassisted dunks, I mean, just you watch him play. You watch him play in the East, and he knocks people over as he goes right to the rim and he dunks it. But his buckets are worth two. And I, I'm wondering, you know, you could talk about the MVP. For, that's one discussion. But then as we get into the playoffs and you talk about him being the best player and you're going to want to ride him. And his his baskets are largely worth two, where some of these other guys, you know, have the ability to step back and make that three pointer. And I, I I wonder what kind of factor that is or should be when you talk about MVP and also talk about the Bucks' ability in the playoffs. But he shoots such a high percentage that That's it counteracts the fact that he's not shooting threes. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, right? I talked to somebody. Dunks. <laughs> That's unassisted. Community. 
Sorry, Dave. Someone in the no. analytics community the other day was telling me that from a an analytics standpoint, they they even brought the Rockets up. They were like, "Listen, if if you could, you know, if the Rockets could have Clint Capella dunking at this rate rather than having James shooting a three, um, that's what they would do. They just, you know, every team in the league wishes they could have. It's basically like Kareem. It's like Wilt. Mm-hmm. You know, it is that yep. level of of just you cannot stop me at the rim type thing. And and back in the day when good old Lou Alcindor was having him changing the rules in the NCAA. I mean, it's, it's that kind of dominance at the rim. It's not three, but it is at such a high rate that it, I, I agree with Dave. It does counterbalance that. Yeah. You have to shoot over a certain percentage to, to kind of, yeah, to, to balance out the analytics. And it, it sounds like Giannis is there. So yeah, right. I, I, he so just gives the basket goes to the free throw line a lot too. On the three side. Cause you got me curious, Joe, like he was, two of six on Thursday night against the Clippers. You know, that's, that's pretty high number to shoot six of those things. Yeah. Um, three of eight back on March 17th, you know, and, and a bunch of Easter eggs in between, but like he, mm. you know, he averaged 3.8 attempts from three in March. The other, the other night he took a bunch of attempts. His shot looks good. Yeah. It it's getting there. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's getting there. It's getting there, dude. This guy's going to be a that's force of crazy. nature next year. Jay, I don't know if you know this, but Giannis looks so good. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's unbelievable. He looks so good on video. So good. <laughs> I got a stat for you guys. <laughs> and Coach Thorpe, if he's listening, will love this one. Points per possession. Points per possession. James yep. Harden, 1.071 points per possession. Yep. Giannis, 1.094. Yeah. So. Case closed. Well, they, they, they case closed. Really. They not really. Not really. Possessions. <laughs> yeah. I, so, so this is this is something we talk about a lot, right? Like the best offense you can have is Steph Curry shooting the ball a hundred times a game. For the Bucks, yeah. they they actually need to get Giannis to shoot more. Uh, Duke had the same issue with with uh, with Zion. He was so efficient, he couldn't get enough shots. Part of why right. their offense was terrible. Um, right. So yeah, maybe maybe that's the next iteration next year. Maybe he needs to lose the MVP that in this year to come back and average forty a game next year. Well, tangential to that, I wrote earlier in the year about Kevin Durant, and it's funny because of, of all people, I had a Rockets person put this idea in my head, where they basically were saying like we're we're ecstatic that Kevin continues to ignore you know, the analytics movement and realized that if, that if he would just step out and start shooting a whole lot more threes, then he would be an even greater problem than the, than the massive problem he already is. Like Kevin is puzzling to me because he, we all know he could do it. Um, and, and he hasn't gone the way of his old OKC buddy and, and James Harden, you know, who, I mean, James's game changed. He, 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 this is only a couple of years ago that he started going all in with the Mike D'Antoni approach, but uh, it, it's kind of a trip how Kevin ends up, kind of, you know, just not diving into that pool. Well, he'll shoot those threes in New York. <laughs> he also is a guy who hits at a high enough rate that the two is okay. I mean, he makes so many of them that it doesn't matter. Like he's shooting like 55%. The Warriors are and and the Spurs are this analytic anomaly because they're so good at shooting in the mid range. Um, and a lot of that's because they, they wind up taking great shots instead of good shots, which is a whole nother conversation thank but you, thank you pop yep. yeah i mean it's true though i mean it, yeah. it the, like it it backs up what you actually see on the film and so um you know if you can hit it if you can shoot it like kevin durant it makes sense to shoot those twos right but how many guys can do that he agrees with you yeah 
There you go. Uh, rookie of the year. Come on. We're going to go rapid fire through the awards. Luca. No doubt. Right. Uh, oh, I got a doubt. Yeah. I'm, Trey. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at, I gotta, I gotta dive in. I don't, I haven't done the homework. I mean, I've done the homework in terms of we can rattle off the numbers and I, I am trying to, to check myself against recency bias, but also do we have a, you know, do we have a term for the opposite of recency bias? Like those first eight weeks where well, the narrative building that happens in the beginning yeah. of the season. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with Ben Simmons. In fact, I think I voted for Ben last year being rookie of the year, but it was, it, it bugged me then when it was like, you know, the, the pushback against recency bias is so great that it, it almost, you know, leaves people, you know, damn near ignoring what happens in the final two months of the season and what Trey Young is doing right now. And really, Luca hasn't, he, Luca's still putting up numbers. Now, to his defense, they took DeAndre Jordan away from him. They took Harrison Barnes away from yeah. him. Like, the, the Mavs have not. They took playing time away from him. Yeah. Right. He's not playing as and, much. Yeah. I mean, they t- they're tanking. Yeah. Right. But. Okay, but we're still talking. We're not talking good numbers for a rookie when it comes to Trey. Like we're talking all star numbers for the last. Oh yeah, I mean these these are all star numbers going back to February, and even actually I'm looking at. I mean, if the all star break is basically when he uh, he's one of the best guards in the entire game, and he's hitting game winners, and you know the numbers themselves. His three is a clip above Lucas, which I think matters. Um, you know, obviously. Trey is not going to hit the glass at all. Uh, and Luca does. And, you know, and then you got the defensive debate, but I feel like it's a, you know, it's, it's a discussion for sure. It's a discussion. It, it is. And, and to kind of counter my own vote here, I, I value playing. I like it. I like to vote for MVPs and rookies of the year who play in, who play most of the time. And Trey has been out there uh, each and every night and, and Luca just, just hasn't, but again, that's more of a, of a team situation. And I, I think, I think Luca's body of work, uh, for the entire year makes, makes him the rookie of the year. But I think it is, it's really a great story. What's going on in Atlanta to see Trey emerge the way that he has. I, I said that Trey, I thought he was going to be an all timer. Um, and man, he's making me look really good. God, he's, he is just electric and to do what he's done passing the ball as a rookie. I can't think of anyone who came in this good of a passer. That's the thing. I mean, it's not just about obviously looking at the stat line, but it does kind of end up starting there with some of these awards. And it's like, that's where I think it is an interesting discussion because like I said a minute ago, like Luca's got Trey when it comes to the glass. I mean, Trey's more than two assists per game ahead of Luca. And, and these are Luca's obviously coming in at the three spot, but he's a, he's a, you know, point forward and he's a playmaker and, and Trey has got it all over him in that department. Um, you know, the accuracy, what is it? 42 to 42. It's a wash there. 32, seven on threes for Trey. Uh, and actually they're neck and neck when it comes to efficiency other than uh, Trey's got him at the free throw line. But it's even just the eyeball test. The Hawks obviously are creating a ton of buzz lately and, and got folks talking about their bright future, which he's got everything to do with. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be a guy that, that people are going to want to play with, which is, which is kind of cool to say about a rookie. Um, sure. he, have you guys seen this video? It's been floating around Twitter. Uh, when he throws lobs, 
he actually jumps with the guy who yeah. goes up for the dunk. That kind of stuff. I mean, it, it, little stuff like that matters so much, I think. And in, in particular, because the season's so long, I, I feel like right. being likable like that is going to go a long way for him. I, I don't know. I think he's going to be great. Um, I think it's funny to that point, Dave, that, you know, on the one hand, all season long, especially early, like when he was struggling, the Hawks and, and Trey, they pushed back against all of those stories where they wanted to put Steph Curry in the same sentence as Trey right. and, and ask about the comparison. And that's fine. But it's, it also made me laugh because it was like, well, Trey, you went out and you literally hired the same agent as Steph and, you know, and, and the guy who used to work for the Warriors drafted you. So this is actual stuff. It's not just a, a, play, a regular player comparison, but that likability and, you know, no two guys are the same. So comparisons are always tricky, but like that wiring and that inclusive attitude, like who does that remind you of? Like, that's why Kevin Durant felt comfortable going to Oakland was because Steph is that kind of a dude who takes joy in other people's success. And and that is an under talked about aspect of recruitment is personality and attitude and the way you compete and the way you kind of your joy is on the floor. Um, as we wrap up, uh, I want to ask you guys, you're both in LA. How is yes. the Lakers media meal? Is it good? <laughs> I want to, I want to, so the Lakers, so the Lakers, the, the Lakers make you pay for it. Whereas the Clippers don't, right? It's the, it's the same food. Uh, but what, what kind of separates sure Staples? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. They don't, they, the Clippers they, did. Okay. No, they don't, they don't, they don't make you pay. What sets them apart though, is they, is their, the drink offerings, the soft serve ice cream offerings with the toppings. They have like a full thing of M&Ms, a full thing of cherries. You can't beat that. If you like Coke Zero, they have Coke Zero on tap. They also have a cooler full of turkey sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They have fruit for you. They have bottles of water, decent coffee. So the short answer is yes, the food at the Laker games are good, is good. The problem is you do have to pay for it. Uh, but from a broader sense, Staples Center is a joy of a media room to eat. Sam, uh, Sam like do you Joe, feel the same way? Joe tried, to, Joe tried to pretend that he didn't also know that they offer uh, adult beverages after the game. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> hey, hold up. <laughs> I walked out of there with two the other night, one for each corner of the bag. <laughs> exactly. But they go quick. There's probably like the equivalent of like three 12 packs in there and there's a lot of media. So it makes me laugh. I always kind of take a glance at the old, you know, the fridge, which is a see-through glass door window. And, and, uh, the over under on how long they last is about 12 minutes after the game comes to an end. But yeah, a couple of Bud Lights in there, but I, I, I feel like the Staples food is definitely hit and miss. There are a lot of nights when I, uh, I make my way up to the old concession stand as a plan B. So not always the best, occasionally. Okay. And, and super unhealthy, like Joe mentioned. It's not just the ice cream and the candy. A lot of times they roll out. It, it says it speaks volumes of how pro sports teams view us um, because yeah. they just consistently, you know, shove things like a, an impossible to ignore nacho bar in our faces. You know, like that's that's a wait. Where's Staples the nacho Center. bar? Staples Center. Oh, yeah. yeah so so it's not really. It's not just peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It, 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 they're actually Uncrustables. 
Oh, which yes. I mean, so they're, you know, they're, they're cold, which is so good. I I'm actually, I have diabetes. I don't know if anybody knows that, but that's true. I didn't know that. So, so I'm, I'm raving about the ice cream and the M and M's, but that's really, that's not, I'm not going to go there you often unless I, it, yeah. it, unless, unless I need it. Unless I need it. But, but the, the, the uncrustables and the orange is great way to kind of control your diet. Uh, hold you over if you're going to eat something better post game or, or whatever. So I just very high marks for staple set. Huh? So, all right. Yeah, I guess I want to do the definitive rankings at some point. Um, yeah, we should, but, but what's the best one? If you just had it like right off the top of your head, Sam so, go first. Well, hold on. Uh, I, I don't know if oh. Sam can answer this because Sam, there's been no reason for Sam to travel to this place. Oh, there's no, so, so you can't like, you can't, the the arena in Detroit, which is not it's it's uh, a year old, um, is catered by Little Caesars, so it is not close. Hands down, everybody else is playing for second. By far the best media dining in the league is at the new Detroit arena. And sorry for interrupting, but I don't I just I don't <laughs> think Sam's been there. Catered by Little Caesars, the pizza joint. Which the, Little Caesars are we talking about? Correct. The little because it's owned, of course. I mean, or the the okay. arena, the team, you know, by the Illich. So yes, so you get little like crazy bread. And, you get crazy yeah. bread. You get you get uh, Sicilian pizza. You get wings. You get chicken fingers. You get mozzarella sticks. Now this is every night. On top of that, they have a carving station. Uh, usually a, a beef Whoa. and a bird. Yeah. Uh, they'll have some kind of starch for you every night, whether it be a, a potato or, or a rice or what have you. They'll have a full salad bar, full desserts, giant hot dogs, and of course, post-game Bud Lights. And uh, they also have the Coke Zero machine. So, well, I like how we, we are fulfilling every media stereotype. <laughs> it's uh, all there, brother. It's, it's like <laughs> the diet soda. Gluttonous, fear. <laughs> freeloading sports writers who are just here for the free shit. The ones that I experienced, <laughs> the one that was the worst was San Antonio because of the flies. Uh, Did you say that? Flies? No, really. Because really? of the flies? Because no, no, no. of the animals next door. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not that bad. I. Hmm? The, so I was going to say oh, flies uh, and food to me is. I oh no no no! I'm saying oh. there are no flies oh. there anymore. It's all been built up now out by the AT&T Center. Okay. So, just bats. Yeah. yeah, just bats, uh, birds, you know, a lot of birds. But, uh, yeah, actually, I was I was told that San Antonio uh, wasn't good and uh, might have been the worst in the league. But uh, they've been really good, I think. I don't um, have had, any problem with San Antonio. I just, yeah. I'm a sucker for Tex-Mex, and they'll roll that out quite a bit. Yep. And Boston um, was great when I was up there. I'll, so, I'll keep it in Texas though, and I gotta get I gotta put in my submission here, um, and I'm gonna score points with the old Rockets PR staff as, as if I haven't already enough as I run around campaigning for James Harden. There you go. But uh, <laughs> Tillman Fertitta just happens to own the Rockets, owner of Landry's Inc., which is a high end restaurant company with seafood joints all over the area. So like anytime it's a, you know, little Caesars, Joe, I hear you like that's That's impressive. But when you're coming with, you know, five-star restaurant connoisseur uh, who happens to own the team, like they actually roll out a bunch of the food from his restaurants. I don't know if that's going to continue. I don't know. I've been there two, three, maybe four times. And you, I, I have noticed no doubt 
that I appreciated the food in Houston more. But you, you know, you're walking out of you're walking out of Detroit's arena with your pants unbuckled. I mean, you need to you need to take a nap <laughs> on the floor. Um, crazy I think, bread in your pockets. <laughs> that's right. Are we? Am I correct in saying that we are close to wrapping this up? Is that true? yeah? We are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, there's a story that I have to share. Okay. To wrap it up. Uh, I had the, the pleasure this week of, of doing kind of a farewell interview with, with Channing Fry and we published it at the athletic and it was, it was kind of fun take, talking about, um, looking at his career as a three point shooter. That was the premise. Like that's what he's going to be remembered as, as a big who shoot, who shot three. So I thought I would ask him questions about his career with three answers a piece. So things like three times you cried, uh, three best nights out in the league, things like that. And one of the thing, one of Channing's answers, and this is the one that kind of made its way around, around social media this week was, listen, I'm rich. I'm a champion. I'm 35 and retiring and I live a great life. So if you think I suck, I'll see you at LA fitness in a year, motherfucker. Now, remember he says I'm rich. Okay. So the story comes out, it's, it's, it's doing very well. It's making the rounds on social media, as I mentioned. And so Kevin Love reaches out to me and he says, Hey, uh, Channing wants to read the whole story. So do you have like a, an athletic login for him or anything? (laughs) To which I said, Kevin, the, the lead quote is literally I'm rich. He can't fork over the $50 a year for a fucking subscription. (laughs) <laughs> to which everyone's laughing. And then Kevin texts back a minute later, like, Oh yeah, actually Channing's going to try the free trial here. Oh my God. That's so I hilarious. said this, I said this on an internal chat. Like we need to out every one of these people. Every time a story well, there like it is. happens. <laughs> yeah. But we need, but we need a list. We got a running list. You know, um, I, I don't want, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable outing. There, there might be a, a particular owner who owns the Northern California NBA team. That's not a current champion who also through back channels asked for a log on and that <laughs> oh made me laugh. God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then this list is long and it's reputable and it's mostly filthy rich people. And, and this little phenomenon cracks me up. Well, you know, at least in theory, they didn't get, rich by being stupid. And if, if right, you'll give them a right. free login, right? Maybe that's it. That's smart. Uh, I just got to start asking for more free stuff that that's, <laughs> then I'll be rich. That's the secret to their success. That's hilarious. Uh, you know, Here's the, here, Kevin Love can quick. totally just gift a subscription to Channing Fry as a retirement gift. Go to the athletic.com slash dings and he'll save 40%. That's what I'm saying. Or he just could have lent him his phone. Kevin, he could have read the story on Kevin's phone. What's the big deal? <laughs> not to pull the curtain back too much, but you know, listen, not not shockingly for the listeners, yes, you know, like every media company, things get tracked in terms of subscriptions and things of that nature. I mean, Joe, you could you could get yourself a sub if you just go ahead and gift Channing <laughs> the athletic subscription. Just add one to the bunch, man. Come on. Oh uh, well, you know, hey, no, I want to earn it the right way. I mean, we need we need his his money in our system. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, guys, that was fun. Um, that's it for this week's show. Uh, these guys are going to be on their own, uh, at some point soon. Um, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch base uh, as we go forward. Jade, uh, keep, uh, the date is four, nine next week, four, nine. What day is that? Tuesday, I believe. So Tuesday, Tuesday. this whole thing's going, going to the athletics. So, uh, come along, right. It's going to be, uh, 
It's going to be a good seriously good show already. I mean, I don't know if you guys listened to that Bud show yesterday. I mean, we had cats on, Marcus and Ethan. So, yeah, this thing's nice. – we had slates on today. Nice. I mean, this guy, by the way, yeah. Marcus is a force of nature. It really is. He's incredible. Um, yeah, He's so, yeah, incredible. theathletic.com forward slash dings, 40% off. It's only two ninety nine. What We're still doing this 99 thing on people. It's three bucks. It's three bucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. How, long, how long is this don't 99 them, thing going to go on for? Don't tell them. <laughs> we all know. It's one penny off. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much, and I'm really looking forward to our influencer show. We shall be influencing. Right? <laughs> It'll be yeah. fun, boys. We'll bring you into our, our It'll be, little world. Yeah. It'll, be, good It'll be good. Thanks to Dave for letting us have the at-bats here, and, and hopefully we've honed our yeah, swings and we're ready to Dave go. Will be back. Listen, it's a basketball podcast. Basketball. Come on. Oh, fine. Yeah. I went to the Dodger game last night. Come on. <laughs> I'm sure. Hey, by the way, Dodger Stadium is 